0: Hello and welcome to the weekly Yes, a podcast where two best friends talk about their joint mission to say yes to life. I am your host, Jara Skakfjord, and co-host is my bestie, the amazing Kristen Garen. On today's episode, Kristen and I talk about the concept of finding your why, how sometimes loss is needed to manifest what you want, and we discuss the importance of anchoring things in love. For today's Fast Facts, I am just going to do what I did a few episodes ago when I didn't have anything for today's Fast Facts, which is to drop you straight into our conversation. Enjoy. But it's just, you know, what I'm saying is so boring. It's just um, stuff. Look, then I mean? be grateful
1: for just the life stuff. When yeah. you're dealing with the big meta stuff, it's hot <laughs> No. I would love some little life stuff. <laughs> I would love to have stuff. stuff. I would love to be upset about my new roommate eating my my avocado the other day, but I just right. don't care because right. like, don't have the capacity to care about the fact that she went. Although, yada, she didn't even eat my avocado, though. She took the avocado, she took it, and she cut it, and then she put it in the fridge, didn't take a single bite of it, and it just sat there and decayed. And I didn't realize until, was it yesterday, that I was like, oh, wait, was that my avocado? And I was like, I <laughs> think. My I'm sorry,
0: why is that the most infuriating thing I have ever heard in my life? This person
1: is definitely triggering me. It's so um, violating. You took my avocado, you cut it in half, and you didn't even eat. And I was like, what is the smell in the fridge? I pre my avocado. I didn't write my initials on it, so hard to know. How are you going to write um, your initials? What are you going to
0: take a I, Sharpie on an
1: avocado? <laughs> oh my. I, this situation has taught me acceptance because also, like, it's only. Six weeks, like we only have a week left, less than a week left. With this housing situation, I don't think I was very good at accepting things before, but I'm very good at it now. I had four weeks of practice, five weeks of practice now. This is just the situation and I'm fine. Okay, my avocado was taken <laughs> and, and tortured her. I was like, but it's fine. Like, I'm fine. She yeah, she fine. ate my sandwich the other day. which is very Ross from Friends. Anyway, what's
0: up? I just, I feel like I just woke up. Internally, I'm experiencing a lot of stress. Mm. I used to carry low-grade stress with me all the time, and I didn't have it for a while, and now it's back. And I'm like, ooh, I'm remembering what this is. I'm remembering what this feels, yeah. and I don't like it. And what I'm noticing, what's it's mostly work-related, and it's work-related in a way that I'm like, I don't even know how to explain it. It's Nothing is actually happening. There's nothing actually stressful happening at work. But every time I'm not working or I'm not actively like in the office, quote unquote, because I work from home, like I'm just like a little bit stressed out. I'm like, I'm worried I made a mistake. Like I'm worried that I'm not on top of things. I'm worried like it's very. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, it's very odd. I don't know what's going on with that. But so it's just something that I'm noticing. And I think it's a part of what it's related to it's just the fact that a lot of life stuff is just going on and like the schedule like our schedules and routines have been all over the place i have not been able to get back to my routine and like my nurturing like my self-care and i just like what's happening right now is i'm just like i'm just self-soothing with instagram like nonstop. and i've been thinking for the past two days i need social media detox like stat. And it's very benevolent. <laughs> it's very benevolent, but it's but it's just on autopilot. It's not like I'm scrolling for like hours and hours. It's more just like I, I need to numb or I need to zone out. So I take it and I open it and I scroll for like maybe even just five minutes. Like it's not even that long. It's just dog videos and interior design. <laughs> you know I mean? That's it. But I'm just noticing that, like, whew, okay, like I'm just, I'm not grounded. I'm not present. I'm yeah. not in my body. And that's, I know we're, I'm like doing this backwards, but that's really what I need to say yes to in the upcoming week is just like getting back into my body gather
1: myself yeah that's where I'm i might get that yeah I was there last week because so many things were just up in the air for me and I think I shared with you this thing of that my my Kabbalah teacher said I spoke to him because I was like I'm struggling what do I do it's like my therapist and, uh, and I just felt like everything i was so stressed out I feel like everything was up in the air I couldn't, there was nothing I could cling to. I felt so ungrounded and just, yeah, there was just, there was no anchor. There was mm. nothing. I kept grabbing for things, but I was so hard. And he said to me, he was like, there are, but there are areas in your life that aren't up in the air. For example, you brush your teeth every day. Ground with that. Mm. Be a hundred percent present in brushing your teeth. Be a hundred percent present in going to the gym. Don't be thinking about everything. Be a hundred percent present. Ground fully. Be in your body. Be present in that moment. Yeah, and in a capitalistic way of thinking of it, like that's the way that the light gets in is when we're a hundred percent when we like when we're a hundred percent focused on a thing, when we're a hundred percent in. So like when you're at work, a hundred percent be at work. When you're out of work, hundred percent be out of work. When you're when you're yeah. with a person, a hundred percent be with that person. When you're not with that person, you gotta leave that person. You can't think about that person. You can't like- <laughs> that's my thing. If you're committed to being in the city that you're in right now, be in that city. Don't be worried about when do I leave, when do I be present. Yeah, so that was interesting. And then the other thing that just came up today, I'm reading, oh, I, I don't know the name of the author. It's Nonviolent Communication. Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. I am loving it. This has been recommended to me many times over the years and I just haven't done it. And it's been, I've been obsessed with it. I was listening to my walk to work today. He said, he says, I think every part of life should be play. And he was like, and if there's a part of life that isn't play, he was like, evaluate why you're doing it. So he was like, so right now, go make a list of all of your have-tos, the things that you're resenting doing. So I okay, I'm going to do it. And I just did it just like a couple hours ago. And it included work. <laughs> it included grant writing for myself, for my artistry, and then also for the organization. It included applying to new agents, submitting new agents, a few other things I can't remember. But, uh, but I went through each of them and he was like, go through each of them and clarify for yourself. Or ask yourself, why am I doing this thing? So I'm writing this grant, this artist grant. I hate writing grants. I hate it so much. I'm writing this artist grant because I believe in my work. And I believe that my work has value in the world. And I believe that it's going to change the world. And I think it's important, the work I'm doing and creating. And so therefore, I'm going to commit to doing this because it will allow me to make my artistry and allow me to play. That's going to, yeah. or one of the things that came up was auditioning. I hate audition, And I was like, what if you didn't? What if you were like, what part of auditioning do I hate? Oh, I hate memorizing scripts. Okay, that's understandable. You memorize the script so that you can play in the audition. So that if you don't memorize the script, I don't know for any actors listening or this, you're just so focused on the lines that like you can't play. You're just like, you got to get out of that. You got to get past that. Or even at work, I had to clarify for myself, what exactly am I hating? What do I hate? Because I was like, it's not all of work. I love having meetings. I love doing financial stuff. I love doing budgeting. There's certain things I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, so his advice was, if you find something, you're like this thing, this one specific thing, and I hate it, then either give it to somebody else to do, outsource it, or stop doing it. He One of his examples was like, he's a psychologist or psychiatrist, and he was saying he had to write these reports on his clients. And he was like, why am I doing these reports? I hate, every time I have to do these reports, I hate it. And he was like, why am I doing it? And he said, I realized the only reason I was doing it is because it gave me more funding. Like I could get more money from doing the work. He said, when I realized that, I was like, screw that. I'm not going to do it these anymore. That's not a good enough reason. Do you know, yeah. I mean? that's like an ego yeah. reason. That's not a sole reason. He was like, so screw this. He was like, I'd rather go, go through garbage cans and find cans <laughs> and get five cents for the kid. I'd rather do that than write these camera in- again. They're like, so I'm going to find other ways to make money. And he's like, and I haven't written a single one since I made that decision. I was like, I love that. So it's, I don't know. Those are the two things that just came up for me because I've been in a very similar place. And it sounds like something similar I just did for myself today.
0: That's actually, actually fantastic advice. I honestly might just do this. I thought it also reminds me of a couple of things. One of them is I'm a huge fan of outsourcing. The bane of my existence is cleaning. So the one thing that I do outsource is just like deep cleaning. Like when you really have to clean the apartment. I'm like, I like once a month, once every six to eight weeks or whatever, I get a cleaner because I just I can't do it. It's the most boring, most tedious. Just I can't like it is worth the money for me. I know it's not cheap, but it's so worth. Never have I ever regretted getting a cleaner ever. Even when I was broke. <laughs> yeah, I would still do it a couple of times a year when I was broke. That's how important that is to me because it's also important to me to have a clean house. Yeah. So yeah. So the investment was always worth it. And then what it what I really like about it is that not only are you getting to your why and like your shoulds is, oh, this is just a should because people expect me to, or because I feel like I should. I was like, oh, I'm an adult, and I think that's what I should be doing. What's also really lovely, what you said, reminds me of, what's his name? Simon something. What's his last name? Simon. Mm -hmm. Simon Sinek. Sinek. Your reason why. Yeah, I think he has a book on it or something. What is your why? Which is a great concept. But I love that you found out when you started digging, is you were able to find the love. Like you were actually able to anchor it in love. It's something that I remember from a director randomly. This was one of the first workshops like actor workshops that I did during the pandemic and his whole thing was with every single scene it didn't matter what kind of scene it was like he would give the same note just like anchor it in love and see what happens. Anchoring it yeah. in love like you can't like the ego can't get in the way. Like I think I was doing a scene where I was coming to to the protagonist's house who was my sister and I was like I was worried about her. Like the way that it was written Is that they're fighting, and she's like super mad at her. Mm -hmm. So that was like the first round that I did, and he was like, "Okay, this was great." And now anchor it in love, and it changed the entire dynamic. So there were moments when I was angrier because it was anchored in love. There were moments where I was kinder and more compassionate because it was anchored in love. There were moments where I was quiet and just like listening, just like taking things in because it was anchored in love, and it was so simple. It was so simple. It wasn't about anything it's like, oh you have to remember when you walk in here that you guys have a history and that, th- that it wasn't overthinking. All like it's almost like your body or your system or whatever just like understands that on such like a primal foundational like fundamental level anchoring yeah. something in love that it just changes everything. It just has this ripple effect on everything. And the different actors that were doing scenes interpreted it in a different way because there's a First of all, there are different things that the characters are going through, like the circumstances are different and all of that. But I think it also because it means different things to
1: us. Anyway, that's what it made me think about. Yeah, that's such a simple but beautiful note. I love that. Yeah, and definitely so easy. It's such a human acting note as opposed to oh, this is your objective or your tactic. It's, no, just be a human who loves. Yeah. Like your human self knows how to love. So just- yeah, very natural acting. I love that.
0: Great. Great. What did you
1: say yes to this week, Boy. So today is the four-year anniversary of an assault I experienced that changed my life. I was assaulted doing a show. Today? Um, today? Wow. Four years ago. So it's this. It's the third in a series of three assaults. And it was the physical one. The others were verbal and spiritual, emotional. And then the third one was today, four years ago. It was during probably the biggest show of my career, I'd say, the biggest play of my career. And, and it's, it halted my career. It stopped my A month, less than a month later, we were in COVID times and the show was closed, but I was in excruciating pain. I was, there was so much trauma that I had to work through and a lot of friction in my relationship with the industry and my relationship with my artistry and the business and my job. And I'm in the process of restarting my acting career. I want to do it this week in honor of, I knew it was around this time. In honor of this anniversary and another anniversary, which was actually my intention, two years ago this Saturday, so in four days from now, I took a break from acting, a very intentional break from acting career. And it took me two years from the assault to the time that I was ready to give it up. The whole time just feeling friction and like driving with all like half of the engine on the ground, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Speaking of should yeah and just like forcing it, and then I took what I said was going to be a month long break, and two years later, I'm ending that break. It's been really interesting to watch to watch the time close, right to watch this window of time end, and it's so poetic and makes so much sense. Of course, it was the anniversary, of course, I had to wait until this last week of February, which is the anniversary of of both things, both major things, yeah, so my yes this week has been to that, which is interesting. Because a week ago, I was not on track to do that. I had said I wanted to do it by the end of this month. I made this intention like a month ago. I was like, I'm almost ready. And I'm basically ready. I just need to like put my ducks in a row. I'm taking this course to help me clarify what I want in the industry, what I'm looking for in agents, in managers, in, in castings, and like what where I want to go. And I've been really dragging my feet on that course. I started it in like October. And <laughs> it's like until yesterday i was like seven percent of the way through and i was saying i want to submit by the end of february but i just wasn't taking the action to do it and it's interesting a lot of stuff has happened in the last week or so in the last few days three days four days of my life that has lit a fire under my butt and the weird metaphor to go to is get i'm going to (laughs) switch the (laughs) metaphors okay i had a stew and it was just like on a really low simmer the happenings of the last two days changed and moved. The temperature, I, I increased heat under the mm-hmm. stew. Now the stew is starting to actually cook. Quite the heat is quickly. on. The heat is on in Saigon. I had a Kabbalah class last week, last Wednesday, that I've now listened to three times I've taken this class. Or two and a half. I've listened to this over and over because it's just so powerful. And I want to share like how it just super relates to what's going on in my life right now. She shared with us, about manifesting. It was about how to manifest the things you want in your life. And she says a passive desire will never allow for manifestation to occur. Think of an area in your your life that you want this thing to happen, but you're just not taking action on it. It's not really happening for you. You're not really making any movement. And she was like, probably a passive desire you have. You're not taking the initiative to make it happen. You just don't care enough. Mm -hmm. It might be you want to fix your relationship. You want to have a deeper relationship with your partner. But you're hesitant to do it because what if he rejects me? What if we divorce? What if I have to go through all the fights and like he's not going you know what I mean? So I'm just going to stay at the status quo. It's fine the way it is. That's not a burning desire. That's a very passive desire. It's you want, but you're not going to do anything about it. You're never going to manifest from that level. What you have to have is a burning desire, a deep, passionate desire to really want this thing. And then let's talk about like what a desire is. You can have an ego-based desire or soul-based desire. An ego-based desire is for a thing or for I want money. You can want money in an ego-based way or in a soul-based way. The ego-based way is I want money so that I can buy a Lamborghini so everybody thinks I'm really cool. It's a very ego-based yeah, desire. Yeah, for validation. I want yeah. I want money because it will provide me security. Because it will provide me freedom. Whoa, that's a uh, soul-based. Like you're, what you're asking for is more light in your life, and the way to get that is through having more money. So that's a soul-based desire. So you have to have a soul-based desire, and you have to really freaking want it, right? So I really want my. I really want to marry my soulmate. My, that's a desire. I Really want to marry my soulmate. Okay. Do you want this specific person? That's an ego-based desire. I want this specific person. I want to make this happen. Or do you want the person who's meant for you where the two of you are going to be able to do this, these things together and grow together and transform? And it's, oh, no, I want the latter. And if it's that person, that's great. And if it's not, it's also okay. So you have to release the ego. If I never buy the Lamborghini, that's okay because it's not about the Lamborghini. It's about the freedom, right? That comes from the money. Anyway, that's soul-based desire versus ego desire. And then it has to be burning rather than passive. And then she says, pretty often you need in your life loss in order to prompt you to go to move from passive desire to burning desire and then once you have a burning desire then the heat's on it's Saigon and you could <laughs> you gotta move and you make it happen and then you start to put the steps in you start to take the steps and make the action um, which then allows the creator allows the universe to give you what you're asking for because the universe wants to give you what you're asking for but if you're not in this burning desire place, if you're not taking the steps to make it happen, it literally can't. It just can. And not only can it not, but it would be wrong for it to give it to you because your vessel isn't actually desiring of it. You're not a true vessel. If you give your child a toy and the child doesn't care about the toy, he's going to play with it for five minutes and then he's going to forget about it. It's going to lie in the corner of the room. If you give a child a toy that they've been dying to have, that's what they really want, well, they're not going to be a treasure to me. So that's the creator being like, if you're if you really have a pure vessel, if you really want this, I want to give it to you. I want to give the child the toy, but I want to give the child the toy that it wants. I don't want to give the child the toy that it's man, I don't know, I don't really care so much. So that was the lesson of last week that I've now listened to almost three times because it was so powerful for me in this moment of my life. Saturday, I went through a huge loss, heartbreaking, painful loss in my life, and. I was floored and just shocked that this deep mourning and grief led me to restarting my acting career. Yeah. And I was like, that is so amazing and powerful that it, it went, it took this passive desire, which is passive. And it's been passive for at least two years, if not longer than, that, to be honest, probably four years, like probably starting with the assault if we're being totally, and it was totally ego based for a long time of needing validation from others and needing to feel like I was worthy of love and respect from others and all of the stuff I've worked through in the last few years of my life. And to transform that, I've now moved it in the last two years, really, from ego-based desire to a soul-based desire. Like I 100% now only want success in my acting career for the betterment of the world. There's nothing here that's about my ego. It's gone. It's completely gone. So it's already been moved ego to soul. But it was still passive. And the only way to actually make it happen was to give me a... The universe had to give me a deep, painful loss to bring me from passive to active, to burning desire. And then the amount of movement I've made in the last, I don't know, 30 hours (laughs) is... More movement than I made in two years. And I think that's also the thing of like truncating and changing timelines that we talk a lot about. It's not squishing timelines. It's collapsing. collapsing. Collapsing you. Squishing timeline. Collapsing timelines. That's what I think this is about. I think it's about when you're able to switch from the passive desire to the active burning desire, then you can collapse timelines. So that's where I've been at the last few days or so. Has been really embracing that and being grateful for it. Like being grateful. That's, oh my God, that's another thing. I'm sorry. I have to say this too. I also happened to have listened to a podcast a few days ago about trauma. I did not mean to do that. This was like a few days ago before I even realized that the trauma, my assault had happened four years ago, like now. I wasn't even thinking about it. I remember listening to it being like, why am I listening to this? This is like, I've never been traumatized. And then like at the end of it, I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) okay. So listening to a podcast on trauma and they were saying, like a spiritual podcast on trauma. And they were saying, while it doesn't validate what the other person did, does not at all justify and allow for it. You also have to recognize, you have the opportunity to recognize that was something you you needed to go through. Your soul needed to go through to grow. So you can be grateful that happened, which is exactly where I'm at. I'm so grateful it happened. It doesn't mean I like, like the person or I forgive him. I do forgive him, but I don't need to like what he did or want him to do it to me or anybody else ever again. But I'm grateful it happened because it transformed me. So that's the other thought. The relationship with trauma can be both seemingly contradictory things, holding them simultaneously and allowing for the trust of this is my, listen, my soul came down here to work through some stuff. And this person enabled me and allowed me, facilitated me to work through that stuff. Anyway, so that's been my yes. I don't even think that answered the question, but that was my yes. I think it does good
0: it does you know that also i'm thinking about i don't remember where i read this or who said this or from which tradition or whatever it's from speaking of anger and things in in love someone said that the souls that act as the villains in our lives are like it's basically the most love that they Mm -hmm. could possibly give your soul so it's very possible that On a completely different level, you and this other person. So it's kind of like if I'm imagining like the meeting. Okay, so I have to go through this kind of discomfort and this kind. So we created this event where this could happen. Who wants to be the bad guy? Only the soul that really loves you from a place of, I want to see you grow. I love you so much. And I know this is going to be so good for you, this kind of growth. I am willing to sacrifice my being the good guy or being a good person or like whatever, by coming and being the villain in your story i'm gonna come down there and traumatize you that might be hard for some people to hear i don't know if it's even easy
1: for myself to hear that you know what i mean <laughs> it, it actually i don't know if you can see my face like i'm so at peace with that yeah. personally Again, okay. yeah and like it might be personal and it might just be like where i'm at in my healing process the yes. way that actually brings me so much joy and i feel genuine love toward this person right now as you say this i genuinely am like thank like I, i'm like, like i'm emotional thinking of how of oh, that soul connection do you know what i mean and i will never see him again in his life like i will go out of my way yeah. to never ever see him again but wow i'm so grateful for his soul and that so thank you for that like i'm emotional in a positive way right now yeah. in a yeah. loving way speaking of discomfort
0: because as i know trauma is trauma and then there's just regular discomfort <laughs> there's there's levels of discomfort but i was taking a class a couple of weeks ago where they were talking about exactly this sort of like, what is the discomfort that you are avoiding or oh, like where in your life do you, I know that I have to do this thing, but there is discomfort involved in that. And I'm not willing to sacrifice my comfort. Essentially, I don't want to be uncomfortable. So I'm not doing it. That's one of the reasons yeah. why I'm not doing it. That could be one of the reasons why certain things are passive and not burning. And then the only antidote to that is to lean into the discomfort that you're avoiding. And Agreed. I'm just remembering like I, I think I've talked about this before on the podcast but the, I remember when I very intentionally was like what is the thing that I fear the most or makes me the most uncomfortable and I was like the first thing that came to my mind this was years ago I was like improv like absolutely scariest mm. thing ever and I went and I did that and I hated it but I kept wanting to go back so I kept going back oh yeah like I'm just like imagining myself like going into like this chamber with a bunch of needles and like, oh, oh, and then you leave the chamber and then, like, ah, let's do it again. And it's just like go, like go back in. Wow. That was kind of like the, how it felt, even though I know yeah. that sounds very dramatic, but that's what we do in our heads is I would rather, like, like you said before, like I would rather go through garbage than, than do this thing. I'd rather eat cinnamon every day of my entire life for breakfast rather than do this uncomfortable thing.
1: Wait, do you mean just like a spoonful of cinnamon? Just like a spoonful of sim- cinnamon. Yeah. Just this like is this so cinnamon. weird. I, I have to share this. So when I was a senior in college, I lived in this apartment with my best friends at the time. And we had these two, like three really good guy friends who would come over. It was so all women. they come over and hang out. And one day we did the cinnamon challenge, which was yeah. going around in 2011, 2012. And it was like our friend and then my friend Gray did this, did, did like a spoonful of cinnamon. And and they freaked out, right? They're spinning and they're coughing and they're like, because you literally can't do it. So that video exists on my Facebook. It happened. What is it now? 2024. It happened many years ago, 12, 13 years ago. Somebody just commented today on the photo, like maybe an hour ago, being like, oh, hey, OMG, can you believe this? It must have been. It was like this day, 12 years ago. This is such a weird secret city that you should say i all i I
0: didn't even know you knew this thing. I didn't really know that I knew this thing. I never did the cinnamon challenge. It was such a thing when when I was in college. That is so
1: weird. So I was just, just like... trying.
0: It was that's so weird. I was just trying to think in this moment. I was trying to think of something that's not like utterly disgusting and offensive. I was trying to think of something benevolent that would be uncomfortable.
1: And that's what came to me. That's so weird. It's so weird. I've got to reach out to all of them now. That's too much of a synchronicity. That's so weird. It is bizarre. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I haven't seen that video in six years. That's so funny.
0: I want to see it now. Anyway, so then I was in improv class last week and it's the fourth improv class that I've taken. No, it's not true. It's the fifth one. Oh my god, it's the fifth one. The fifth class that that I'm that I'm currently taking, that I have taken for improv. And it's so not uncomfortable anymore. Like it mm-hmm. is unco- the nature of improv is just that it is the unknown and it is uncomfortable all of the time. But I've just gotten so comfortable with this discomfort that it's become like a completely different challenge now that it's now more of a now you get the opportunity to like refine. It's okay. So how can I be how can I like think of puns in today's discomfort? You know what I mean? Oh, now I'm in the chamber of needles and I have to tell a joke. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm in the chamber of needles and I have to figure out a really good turning point for the plot because like the initial discomfort of the thing, like the initial freak out about the thing is just gone. I don't know how to explain it. It's just it's it kind of like when you're driving a car to like you're like, oh, my God, you're just like freaking out because you're in traffic. And then all of a yeah. sudden you just you're just comfortable with being. I think about it all the time when I'm driving. I'm like, it is insane that we are doing this. This is an insane mm, yeah, thing yeah. to do. We're all just like in these steel containers driving so fast. There are so many of us. There are so many things that could go wrong. So many. We all could die. At <laughs> yeah. Point. It's like the scariest thing ever. Like you have to trust yourself and the other people so much. So in in the Kabbalah class, we were asking, what is on the other side of that? What is the breakthrough? What is an What is it and where is it? Where is it going to live? So now it's just like what I and I've talked about this a lot in the past couple of weeks because I've realized this on my own skin is that breakthrough for me had actually nothing to do with improv or the art of improv at all. It has actually just made me more comfortable in general with discomfort, with ambiguity, with not knowing what's going to happen. It's helped with my social anxiety even. It has helped with every single audition, every single project that I've done because I'm just so relaxed because I've been in a situation so many times where I do not know what I'm saying. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Everything is improvised. I don't even know what the scene partner is going to say. So the fact that I have a script now, I know what I'm going to say. I know what the other person is going to say. I know what the set looks like. There's a real set and real props. I'm not miming it. All of a sudden, that is easy because I've been through... The uncomfortable part of it, like the uncomfortable part is the not knowing. But now I'm in a situation where I know it's the same situation, except I know everything, except it's all written out, except it's all planned. So what would the where would the stress even come from? So it's provided me with so much freedom and it's provided me also with a lot of detachment almost to my own sort of artist ego self, right, because I've made a fool of myself in front of people so many times i've been in the situation where i'm like standing in front of a bunch of people i'm like like i don't know what i'm saying blah 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 and i've bombed hard like me and my seatboard i've bombed so hard and everybody's laughing at it it's fine so it's in my head like what could possibly happen today on set in the scene that would throw me off anyway so it's just fascinating that i'm like Seeing, I want to say black and white because it's been so tang- tangible for me, even though it is elusive, but it's been so tangible for me to see how putting myself in this insane, uncomfortable situation deliberately, just like like planting that seed, it's, it's now just like blooming into just like so much ah, just like relaxation and freedom and like I can do anything. You know what I mean? Just like this yeah. weird kind of confidence that I didn't even know existed. And it's not like ego confidence. Oh, my God. I'm the most talented. I can memorize my lines super fast. I, it has nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with that. It's just I know everything is gonna be fine. Like it's that kind of confidence, that kind of self trust. Of but it's it's one of those things where this has been really good for me. It's been so good for my yeah. overthinking, analyzing, perfectionism, brain and self that I'm just like, I, I want to keep doing it because I can literally trace so many things that have occurred in my life. I can directly trace it to. Me putting myself deliberately in an uncomfortable situation, putting myself in a situation that was as scary to me as walking in like a needle yeah. chamber. I'm thinking about the chamber in the movie Matilda. Do you-
1: <laughs> yes, you know, yeah, like that one. Anyway,
0: that's so there's that very
1: powerful. Yeah, I love this. That confidence is not about the ego. Your confidence now, it's not about. Like, oh, I'm so great! It's now I know everything is going to be fine. It's just certainty and faith. Yeah, and that's all confidence really is it's not of us it's of the universe and trusting yeah. in the universe trusting in the situation trusting that like things are happening play is gonna go exactly as it's supposed to if it's you know what i mean i feel like i used to micromanage plays i used to feel like it was all my responsibility mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To, to make sure that the audience understood everything that was happening i felt were so responsible for for the the entire audience and it's that's not my, like the play is going to go the way it's going to go and that's something starting to work in film and television as well has taught me of, at the end of the day i can give you five takes of something i don't get to choose which take you use <laughs> mm-hmm. so i just recently saw myself in a in a movie that i was like oh i wouldn't have chosen that take right i saw that and i was like oh wow like i know i gave you very different versions of that little scene or whatever and i was like i would not have chosen that Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it wasn't my, it's not my, it's not Not your job. I know everything. Mm -hmm. And I know everything's working out fine. And there are people who need to see that, that take it is like, maybe it empowered them. There's somebody who had to see it like, like that changed their life or what, like it's not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All you can do is just show up and give your gift. And then this is a gift to you. You do with it what you will. Like, it's not mine. It's now yours to do with it.
1: The creator is the editor, producer. All I'm doing is I'm just the actor. Yeah. Light, not just in so, any- it. This <laughs> is a great metaphor. <laughs> it is a good metaphor. metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's what do you funny. want to say yes to in the upcoming week? I want to say being present. I'm in a program that's ending in the next week or so. But I do feel like the last, most of the last like week has been until really like last night was very me future casting and struggling to just feel grounded and present. And I really like these people. I'm just having a really great time. And I want to be present and fully enjoy this experience yeah and trust i want to be in this i really love this idea of confidence is i know everything's going to be fine like just trusting as i want to not be so in my head i actually said this the other day to myself I remember thinking this i'm a pisces and pisces we're just not great at we're very good daydreamers we're very good at like imagination and living in our heads and we're not always the best at we're not very grounded my natural inclination is like to be in my head and create this whole world and I'd like to, anytime that's happening, bring myself to be more present with what's actually happening instead of wishing and hoping and future casting or pretending things are like different things are happening. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Great. This has been lovely. We it were has. very in the flow today. Today, Thank you. Agreed. Agreed. Oh, goodbye.
0: That concludes this week's episode of The Weekly Yes. You will find us on all major podcast platforms as well as YouTube. And you can follow us on Instagram as well at The Weekly Yes. Send us your yeses for the week or any story of when you've said yes and it really changed your life to theweeklyyes at gmail.com. And who knows, we might feature your story in an
1: upcoming episode. Keep saying yes, and we'll see you next week.